in Spanish, being an immigrant is like, you're like a extranjero, extranjera, with the root word is extraño, which is weird. And like, I always was like, yeah, that's perfect. Like I'm like, I'm just have all the liberty to be as weird as I want. Welcome to Our Shared Field, where we bring artists into conversation with people from outside of the arts. I'm your host, Austin Camille, and welcome to the last conversation of the pilot season. Today, I talk with artist Anamaya Farthing-Cole, who in two weeks will be in conversation with West Philly block captain and civic leader, Aminata Sandra Calhoun. Anamaya's work resists an easy definition. Their projects range from printing near-invisible text on disposable napkins placed in restaurants to organizing sewing circles where female-identifying folks can extend the pockets on their jeans. Anamaya has facilitated large-scale weavings with domestic objects taking the place of yarn, and they're currently working on a video game specific to communities who've experienced trauma. The through line is that Anamaya always asks the public to collaborate with the work, asking for help to define, circulate, or discover its meanings and intentions. Everyday encounters and actions and objects become moments where Anamaya thinks this could be a sculpture. My name is Anamaya Fardinko. I was born in La Paz, Bolivia, but I grew up between La Paz and Ithaca, New York. And, and then later, well, later I moved to Philadelphia, but my pops started working in Philadelphia when I was 14, so um, mostly in South Philly. I describe myself as a, I mean, it, it kind of depends on who I'm talking to, to be honest. Um, I kind of sometimes feel like I'm like an inventor or something. <laughs> and like where I like, will make things and that like become circulated or defined by other people. So I like make something and I often make it, you know, like in my studio or with somebody else. And then I pass it on to somebody and ask somebody else to help me define what this thing is or like what, what its meanings could be. I feel like a lot of my work is like becoming more this way, like about like creating archives of meanings. I was a pretty, um, as a adolescent, I made stuff, but like, I was like really interested in like science fiction and the, in uh, the beyond and not so interested in reality. But then I didn't apply to any schools, but my dad taught at Temple. So I applied to Tyler and it was like the only school I got to. I applied at the very last minute and I got in and actually going to Tyler really changed a lot of that stuff uh, yeah. because a lot of my imagination or like a lot of the reasons I feel like was I was like escaping into like this like, you know, foggy mist of abstraction was because I was like really because I wasn't really engaged and something happened at Tyler that really opened up this whole world that like they're like, oh, well, fantasy or fiction or reality, like maybe there's no difference, but like maybe there's a way that I can like tie them all together. And then since then, like I've had many jobs, but I kind of don't know how to do anything else. And I don't know, I got like, at one point I was like, oh, I should change my career and become like a nurse. Because <laughs> so like, that's actually something that's useful in the yeah. world. You know, I've like thought about it a lot actually. And then it's just like, but you know, yeah, you could you could do that. And maybe, maybe at some point I will do that. But mm-hmm. right now I'm still, I'm still making stuff this way. Anamaya talked about how this last year has really shifted how they want to go about being an artist, what they want to be making, and what it's like creating a community now. This last year, 
Last, last year and I have changed everything. Just a lot of things have happened. My personal life and then obviously with the pandemic have really changed like what I believe in, like how I want to associate with people and spaces. And then also, I don't know, like sometimes I feel like making things like smaller, like right now I'm making this this video game, which is so crazy. Like I never thought I'd make a video game, but here I am doing that. <laughs> but it's just like what happens, but it's not, it's not to be shared with everyone. It's only for people who have experienced sexual, like patriarchal, colonial or sexual violence. And it's only for that population. Mm. And like, I guess like part of like realizing that if the world is too big, it gets kind of lost and gets like um it's impossible to create communities sometimes in the ways that I feel like at one point I was like trying to or yeah. interested in and like I guess now I'm realizing that like actually the the more specific and maybe the smaller community is the more um honest it can be and like the more that we can like help each other and like also support each other and I guess I'm just like seeing how my what happened to my communities and like how I really, how important it is, like, creating safe spaces for people. Um, like, how do we create structure, structures of trust? So it's just changed so much. Like, I was just trying to make really, not trying, I was just making different things and, like, working at a very different speed in some ways. And, like, it's been, just the way I see things has changed a lot, which, yeah. is, which is good. Or bad, who knows? How it just is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Does the work still feel as um, like playful? Does the tone feel different? Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing I'm working on right now is um, is I mean, it can be really heavy and it's unbelievably personal. I've never made such a personal thing, but yeah, no, it's really. I mean, it's it's gonna be funny. It's really funny and like it's like I think it's more personal and more playful than a lot of the like other things I've made. Uh, like I feel uh, like I, I feel like at one point I was working on this like big project about banking and exchange and I maybe at some point I'll take it back up, but it just started to feel so distant from my body. But like this game, if we can make it, I mean it might if I mean I'm work now we're working on a prototype with this person, Isaac Tejada, who's a Bolivian programmer. Uh, if we can make the video game, it will be a place for Interact. It'll be like between an archive, a video game, like a self-help book, a series of guided meditations and like like the most like cheesy thing in the world. Like it's, <laughs> I don't even know how I'm thinking in the, such a cheesy way, but I'm, I'm you know, that's, that's just what's happened. I'm curious to hear more about how you think about the audience in relation to your pieces. If there are certain relationships that you want to set up, are, is your audience... Are they co-creators of the work? The people who get to interact with the work or discover the work or like interact with these like things I make, I feel like they're kind of like the authors. Mm. And like I'm kind of more interested in them being the authors than I'm than me being an author. Often I would like rat like would like to disappear. Like I think most of the work I make, like at some point, like I wish and I don't know how to do this, and I'm something I'm working on is like, how do I make it so this piece, this thing I made has its own community rather mm. than being around me. Like, I feel like I'm the least interesting thing there. You know, like the mm. object could be more interesting or like, and but more than that is like the way people interact with it or like 
and how people make it their own. Like, I'm really excited about this idea of like appropriation, even piracy. I don't know. I just think it's like so wonderful that there aren't authors. And I guess I find like a lot of like freedom, but then I also find like a lot of like power within that, I guess is a way of saying that. Power for your audience, you mean? Yeah, like power maybe for the people who get to touch it or interact with it. But then also like if I remove myself and I like become the audience as well, right? Because that's what happens at some point. Like if they are the authors, it's like more exciting to me to be like, oh, like, what do you think? Or like, what what is this for you? I just find it like exciting to, yeah, to kind of disappear and let this, this wawita, this like baby that I have or this lover. I mean, there's so many ways I've thought about them, but like, like not be mine anymore. I guess in some ways, like, I have, like, such a hard time with authority. (laughs) And, like, it's, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. But, like, yeah, I have a really hard time with authority. And and I guess part of the way that I make things is, like, also to try to, like, to step away from authority or, like, to, yeah, like, mess with it. Hmm. Let's talk about your daily work process because the the fact that it is so kind of, like, project to project or site specific, um, I think especially with artists who work like that, I'm so curious to know, yeah, if you have, like, certain actions or rituals or just daily things that you do that feed and sustain your practice? Yeah, I mean, I guess in my, like, daily actions, I feel like it's just mostly, like, curiosity. curiosity. Mm. And, like, I tend to, like, find, like, often I'll find objects or ideas or things and I'll just stock them or collect them Mm. or explore them and just kind of hold on to them for a while. And, like, mostly, like, so I have an imaginary dog called Chapulín, which is Mm. grasshopper. And, like, I take them out for walks. And I feel like a lot of the making I make is actually, like, walking around with Chapulín or, like, going to the market or and talking to the vendors and just kind of, like, asking questions. And maybe, like, in some ways, like, I always felt like, oh, if I'm, like, an other, like, like part of being, like, in Spanish, like, um, being, like, an immigrant is, like, you're, like, a, what is it called? You're an, you're an uh, extranjero, extranjera which comes, like, with the root word is extraño, which is weird. Mm. And, like, I always was like, yeah, that's perfect. Like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just have all the liberty to be as weird as I want. Because, like, I, cause my identity is so unclear, you know. Uh. And, like, I don't know. I always felt like that was, like, a really lucky place to be. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, between sleeping, talking, or, like, sometimes, like, I have a pretty hard time. I have a pretty hard time paying attention. So, like, sleeping or talking to people or walking, like, that's where, like, most of my thinking happens mm. where I'm like trying to pay attention to something but I like just can't do you do you like write and draw kind of as you're doing it or do you just kind of like hold it all in your head there I just like hold it all and then I get home I'll write but often it, I always feel kind of like I also feel slightly embarrassed because I'm like actually I really want to be paying attention to this thing mm. but I just like you know I just can't you know not everyone pays attention in the same way and like yeah. Or, like, absorbs things in the same way. And sometimes I feel like I'll be talking to somebody and then, like, two, like a day later, I'll be like, oh, wow. And then I'll call them and be like, oh, this is, like, now I understand really what you're saying. It just takes me a while, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know what it was like developing your work in this city. Like, looking back on your time here, was there anything particular or specific about making work in this city that you think really affected how you make work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think my... Like, I think being it being like Philadelphia and the the way that I lived it, like I lived in a pretty working class part of Philadelphia and and my friends are mostly working class and like and people make stuff. Mm-hmm. And like it's important to say that my dad was an urban planner mm-hmm. and, you know, mm-hmm. um, like I 
kind of like knew the city from this like um, urban planning, historic uh, preservation. Uh, Those were all like communities that were close to me as like a kid and also as a um, as an adult in Philadelphia. And I think, yeah, just like neighborhoods, like how people talk, like how people like this kind of like like really amazing sweetness that you find in Philadelphia that like Mm. Like everyone's always calling you baby and yes. like that. And I'm and like, I'm always calling everybody baby too. And it just feels like, and there's like this kind of closeness that feels like, I don't know, it just feels like very special. And, you know, people, everyone knew my family. Like it was just kind of this thing that like we really knew each other. Mm-hmm. You've obviously moved around and lived in all these different places. And you seem to kind of set up these projects and spaces for so many different types of communities. So I guess I'm curious to hear you talk about home and community and how you think about that, um, either for yourself or in regards to your work or however. Well, I, I guess it's funny. Like, well, I always feel so jealous of people who have homes and like who have specific ide- identities or come from specific places and like their family all lives in the same city. And like, like that for me is like what I've always wanted, but it's just not the way that things have happened. Hmm. But like, I guess it's, Funny because I think that a lot of the things I make, like I recently finished this big project with some a map of Mexico City that I worked on for like um, just seven years, mm. and it's basically remapping project of Mexico City where I took all of the maps on the back of on the back of advertisements, like the little maps, and in uh, uh-huh. Mexican Spanish is called croquis, like those little maps, uh, those sketched maps are called croquis. Mm. And I remapped the city based off of those objects. And it's, like, interesting because it's, like, they're... Well, I started because I was, like, lost and I didn't have the internet. And I was, like, oh, my God. So I found all these maps on the ground. And I was, like, okay, I guess it's time to get home. <laughs> um, and, you know, it worked more or less. I mean, uh-huh. I did get home. For me, it's, like, creating this map of... Like, I feel like I'm a cartographer for other cartographers. Mm. And, like, it's really a way of, like, creating a system to include all these other ways of seeing the city and understanding the city. And, like, you can see, like, when it's, like, really blown out, it's obviously for cars. When it's really close in, it's for pedestrians. So you can also see how, which parts of the city are circulated in certain ways. Mm. And, like, this whole thing about, like, me creating, like, at one point I, like, I sold this piece and I like became really depressed after I sold it. And I was like, why did I do do that? Like, that's like my home. And I realized Uh. I was like piecing together the city so I could belong. And so I could like, uh, yeah. um, Yeah. So I could belong within the city and I could partake in the city. But I mean, obviously it's like the map is a map, but there's, but it is based off of my logic. And I think like, it's strange. Like, I guess I think the more, and I'm working a couple of projects on now that have a lot to do with actually like kind of this like idea of like really wanting to create alternative spaces to belong. Mm. And like, like how do people belong? And then also what do we want to belong to? And then what happens when we don't like the structures that we are belonging to? Was Mexico City the first place that you moved to independent of your family or like, um, like by choice? I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I never thought about that. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. I mean, I came on a on a grant, uh, a Fulbright to study, and then I um, just a lot of things happened before I left in Philadelphia, and basically I lost my home. Mm. Like, yeah, I lost my home in that way, and like 
I, it's funny, like my mom still doesn't have a home. And like, I mean, she's not, luckily she's not homeless. She's, she's houseless. It's a decision that mm-hmm. she's making. But she like, and I'm like such, I just really, to me, it's really important. My home and like feeling like I'm at home and making spaces. Like, I feel like that's just where I'm so different. And then things just, more things just kept opening up here. And I kind of became, it became a home mm. in a way, which is surprising because it's not, wasn't necessarily intention, but here it is. In thinking about creating alternative spaces to belong, one of Anamaya's projects called K in Spanish or It in English is intended to have a really slippery definition. Physically speaking, it's about 650 feet of a windbreaker type of fabric, about three feet wide and six feet tall, and it's built using a changeable PVC pipe structure so it can expand and contract with whatever situation it finds itself in. It's an architectural form, a space to belong, that becomes redefined each time it encounters a new space and new people. Well, I guess when I present it, I often, like, there's a really famous um, actor in Mexico from the, I guess, like, the 40s, 50s, 60s, mm-hmm. Mariano Moreno, and his stage name is Cantinflas. And Cantinflas, like, is always, like, in uh, Mexican-Spanish, everything becomes a verb, which is amazing. Mm. And, um, but you can cantinflar. So, like, cantinflar is, like, when you, like, talk about something, but you just walk around it. And you just try to make it, like, make it more and more confusing. And, like, for me, like, he's, like, such, he's, like, my hero. Like, he's never talking about anything. He's always talking about everything. He's just, like, always making things more confusing. Mm. And, like, a lot of the way that I've dealt with it is... Or in Spanish, I call it que, which mm. is what or that. Well, yeah, I'm against translation. So there's like, a th- there's also these places where I just like decide not to translate. So mostly when I talk, when we talk about it or when I talk about it in the public sphere or whatever, is that I just try to walk around what it is and like make it in a way that it becomes the other person tells me what it is. Like sometimes, you know, I have straight up line and like, oh, we found this in the street. Like, what do you think this is? Mm. And like people will start to like, talk about it like mm. <laughs> and it's based off of this like nidos de abeja which are like um a mexican handicraft that's um basically just like you see them a lot in like baby showers i think hmm. but they're like uh pieces of paper that like are glued together and um they make diamond sh- shaped well a long time ago my friend gave me one of those balls and i was got obsessed and i was like wow you couldn't totally make a collapsible space with yeah. one of these Part of what, for me, is like, like, I was really excited about making this architectural space, like mobile, whatever, this disappearing thing, this interrupting wall, because it looks like, oh, when you look at it from the side, it looks like chain link fencing. Mm-hmm. So I was like really excited about this like divide and like what happens between the divide and la di da 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 And then like slowly I started to realize, I was like, actually, I'm not interested in any of that. Like, it's so much more fun to hear what other people are interested in. But I guess in the goal for me of that project and most projects is that it would become like kind of an archive of, um, of definitions. And like mm-hmm. this part is going much slower, especially with COVID now. But the idea, like the fantasy, is um, is that or the hope is that it would become that it becomes a space where other people will use it and other people will define what it is. Um, and I don't know if this is going to happen because of COVID. But before COVID, there was going to be like um, 
a school in Nezahualcoyotl, which is like um, just outside of Mexico City in yeah. the south of Mexico. And I have a friend who who they have a gallery there. They were going to work with the students at the university to kind of like bar- lend it out. Like it's mm. like a book or a, or like a piece of paper. Like, you know, oh, you lend it that. out. Everybody does their own thing with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but COVID has not let that happen yet. Yeah. But I've invited... The idea is like to slowly invite people to take, you know, two months with it mm-hmm. and um, kind of let them do whatever, like the heck they want, I guess. And like the only thing that I ask for in exchange is their definition or a definition mm-hmm. or many definitions or the footage or whatever their final product is. Because like for me, it's like somewhere between like a puppet, like a space, like a lot of fabric heavy <laughs> a, a sleeping bag like I mean and like in the research for like trying to apply for grants and stuff I just it became I feel like the object itself isn't that interesting but like the writing I've done about it is much more interesting than the object which is cool <laughs> yeah I'm curious to hear like some of the specific reactions um, or definitions that people came up with for it yeah, I mean, somebody thought it was a sleeping bag, mm. which was really cool. In Philadelphia, it, it went, um, it's been in many places. It's been uh. in Toluca in the Sala de Mexico, which is like a smaller town. And then um, to, in Philadelphia and then here in Mexico City. And mostly those were times where I was like the activator or whatever. So it was kind of the way that I have activated is I like, you know, put it on its PVC pipes and bring it out mm. and, you know, carry around this like monstrous thing and open it and have people play with it. Mm-hmm. Um some people, you know, they, there's a tunnel form, so they say it was a tunnel. Other people would, I guess one time, like the most fun has always been with kids because they just mm, play mm-hmm. with it. There isn't like this definition of like um, naming it in a way, yeah. but more in like just using it and seeing how it works. You've, you mentioned a couple of times your thoughts on translation as a process. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess like what what your reticence is toward translation. Yeah, I just in generally don't believe you can do it, which yeah. is like hard to say because like I just, you know, I'm probably the worst translator ever and I have translated many things. <laughs> but mostly when I write one thing in one language or if it's for myself or for somebody else, I just write it again because like the fluidity or like it's so different, you know, for me at least. Um, but like I get so caught up in like how impossible it is to get it that close that I will just write an entirely different thing. And then some of the things that I make are like, exactly with the video game, like it's all been worked on in Spanish as uh, of now, uh-huh. but today I was talking to the programmer and he was like, he's like, well, we're, we should make the menu in English. And I was like, well, why would you do that? Like, we're not like you're in Bolivia. I'm in Mexico. Like this is not like, <laughs> like this doesn't make any sense. Uh, and most of it, like the voices and stuff are of, close people to me Uh, so like um I don't know how we're gonna do that I don't know I guess in generally like I'm just a stubborn like kind of pain (laughs) in the butt person and I'm just like you can't translate anything Join us next week on Our Shared Field for part two, where we meet West Philly block captain and civic leader, Aminata Sandra Calhoun. Collaboration is important to me because that's where you find your strength, your power, and your go-to-it. Collaboration is the heartbeat of us getting the job done. 
the power of unity. You can learn more about the guests and follow their interactions on our website, chat.squarespace.com. Music for this episode was created specifically for the conversation by Jana in response to Anamaya's work and themes of creating alternative spaces for home and belonging. You can listen to more of their work on our website. Again, that's chat.squarespace.com. Thank you to the Center for Humanities at Temple University for hosting this podcast and to our technical director, Eric Carbonara, at Not A Sound Studio. This podcast is recorded in North Philadelphia on the ancestral lands of the Leni Lenape people, whose presence and resilience in Pennsylvania continues to this day. Until next time, I'm Austin Camille. Thank you for listening to Our Shared Field. <laughs>